Hi, welcome to Straight to Laserdisc. This is Andy. I'm joined by my good friend Chuck, and we're both here to talk about, uh, you know, the two major uh, monsters <laughs> in movie dumb. We didn't we didn't watch Godzilla versus Kong, but this is a different sort of Godzilla versus Kong debate. We're going to talk about who who is the better monster, uh, who has the better uh, introduction movies, and I thought my good friend Chuck, since he uh, since he gave me a copy of the original Godzilla in Japanese, I thought he'd be a good person to bring on. So Chuck, why don't you say hello to our listener or two for this episode? Paul and Andy, thanks for having me on. Uh, I've been a fan of Godzilla and King Kong all my life. I'm, I'm one of the monster kids that grew up in the uh, late 50s or you know through the 60s with the monster craze, things like the Monster Mash, Chiller Theater, Preacher Feature. I, I was part of all of that, and that's kind of where I saw my first Godzilla. And it, the first Godzilla movie I saw was the American version, which is Godzilla King of the Monsters, with Raymond Burr, who talks to people's backs in the whole movie, because they <laughs> hired actors to play the Japanese actors from the Japanese version. We're not going to talk about that one tonight. We're going to talk about the Japanese one. And uh, King Kong was the required watching every Thanksgiving afternoon when football came on. The kids went to the other room to watch King Kong because Channel 11 WPIX out of New York was playing it every Thanksgiving, followed by Son of Kong, followed by Mighty Joe Young. So well, there you those go. are my first exposures to these monsters. Yeah, I would say my first exposure to at least... Um, King Kong was roughly around, uh, I, I gotta say, I, I must have been like younger than 10 years old, but I didn't, I didn't watch the full movie then. But I, the first time I watched it, I was in middle school and my mom, it was cool mom moment, let me uh, stay up late one night <laughs> to watch it because the other King, the Peter Jackson King Kong movie was coming out. Um, so TCM was playing it. And then Godzilla um, I mean, I've, I've known the character since I was a, a young wee lad, but I actually, funny enough, just watched the movie the other day, so in preparation for this episode. So my, my uh, I guess it's a late bloomer. <laughs> yeah, I am, but uh, maybe a, a late believer too. But I guess um, first, I want to just ask you a little bit about, um, since King Kong did come out first, it came out in 1933, it was an RKO um studio picture uh just tell a little bit about people what uh king kong is about just because well king kong is basically your epitome of an adventure story it's about i actually the the character in the movie uh that robert armstrong plays the movie producer he just goes off on this tangent with Fay ray it's about adventure it's about romance and, and he's actually saying everything the movie's about so this filmmaking group goes to Skull Island to find King Kong, the legendary monster. And they do find her, him. And he takes a liking to Fay Ray, who was the screen's first screen queen after that movie. And uh, shenanigans ensue from there until they end up on the top of the Empire State Building. Right. Yeah. Just the, I, I think that is the most uh, concisely. <laughs> Uh, worded uh, uh, description of King Kong and uh, yeah and Godzilla uh, you know if you could tell us a little bit about what that plot is about. Godzilla is actually I did actually also rewatch the original Japanese version in, in uh, anticipation of this and 
Godzilla is a much bleaker movie. I mean, it's 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 much darker in its themes than King Kong. King Kong's fun, and it's meant to be fun. I mean, I'm not saying there's no underlying themes there, but Godzilla is very much really, I would say, post World War II Japan's first film to address the nuclear uh, bombs. Godzilla becomes very much a metaphor for uh, the nuclear holocaust they suffered. And uh, I mean, it, the basic premise is fishing boats are missing. You know, there's some type of creature outside of an island. Uh, a whole village is destroyed at one point. Scientists go to investigate, they find out. And, you know, no spoiler here, it's a giant radioactive dinosaur who uh, apparently follows them back to Japan and shenanigans ensue again. Right. From like uh, a, a shady theory. scientist and everything else you could want in a horror movie. Right. Um, I, I, I liked how you already hit upon the themes because that's um, one of the things I wanted to talk to you a little bit about because I noticed when I was watching, because I, I also just rewatched King Kong, you know, King Kong is, um, like you said, just like it, it seems like a pulp adventure story, just almost as an excuse to show off the special effects of the time. And, um, but I mean, there is it's like the underlying theme that you could maybe pull out of it is that, um, you know, modern civilization destroying whatever uh, the old world or you could talk about that. It's like a fairy tale almost. Um, nature comes up against technology and it doesn't end well for nature at the end. Right. And, uh, and Godzilla, you know, is strictly about, um, about, the like the anxiety of the nuclear war and uh holocaust and literally the, the, like the scene at the end with uh uh Takashu uh Shimura that who plays a scientist the guy the guy from the Seven Samurai and other Kurosawa movies literally looking at the camera like if you keep yeah. testing this will keep happening um but yeah I just want to talk to you a little bit about it going deeper into those themes where some of the um differences in like characters and structure and story that maybe um yeah the major differences between those because i mean people like to pit these two monsters up against right, because of what's come after when right. you look at the two original movies uh well we'll start with king kong since that came out first and in a lot of ways king kong led to godzilla in a lot of different ways but as far as uh undermatic i mean it's a beauty and the beast story I mean, they even play off that in the movie. And yes, it very much is a showcase, a technical showcase for Will's, Willis O'Brien's uh, stop animation, which for those that don't know that, you would basically have scale models jointed with armatures and uh, you move maybe not even a quarter of an inch, shoot a frame, do that again, shoot a frame. And after five weeks, you got something walking across the screen. Right. Uh, it was meticulous. But it was also very impressive. The funny thing in King Kong is, and it's something you see in any stop animation movies, whether it be Willis O'Brien's or later Ray Harryhausen's, it seems like King Kong's fur is moving all the time. That's oh, yeah. actually from people having touched the model to move it. So I usually to keep my uh, willing disbelief, I just say it's windy and that's what's moving. I was, I was literally going to say it's just the wind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But uh, there's also, there is very much the, the thematic, and you, you hit on this, of uh, the prime primeval nature versus uh, 
technology. And uh, there's also a little bit, now keeping in mind, this came out in the height of the depression. Mm-hmm. And if you notice in the uh, New York rampage scenes, King Kong's chomping and stepping on people in tuxedos. He's beating up on the rich. Uh, you know what? That's something I didn't know. think about before. You know, you know, he climbs up the Empire State Building, which is the symbol of asperity. And, you know, it's this is high class America. And there's a primeval force climbing up on top of it. Right. Uh, I mean, you can do a whole bunch of Freudian things, too, which we won't go into. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll stay out of that. But I mean, it, it's. King Kong is, I think it's real success. Besides, it's a great story. Great actors. I mean, Fay Ray is perfect. Robert Armstrong and Bruce Cabot are both very good. It's one of the few times Bruce Cabot gets to actually play a hero. Normally, he's the villain in Westerns usually with John Wayne. Uh, but it's so well-paced. It's just, it, it's only an hour and 40 minutes and it just goes so quick. It's, and it, it's never, it never slows down, but it doesn't feel like it's rushed either. It's just, it's a good example of film pacing. If you watch uh, Jackson's remake, um, I can't remember what year, Beautiful to look at. Special effects are the epitome, in which is the same for the original Kong, yet it's not as beloved as the original Kong because it's just over-bloated. It's slow. I remember seeing it in the theaters of my daughter and her looking at me like an hour in, there's going to be King Kong in this movie, right? (laughs) I mean, with this movie, 20 minutes in, King Kong's got Fairy and he's heading out into the jungle. So it's... Yeah, there's something to be said about, yeah, just pacing of that movie. It feels also very, um, almost serialized a little bit. Like there's, uh, it, once they oh, get it's it. RKO. Yeah, yeah. Or RKO it's, made their name in serials. Right. Um, where, yeah, like each episode is sort of like a new monster, a new, new thing that they have Dinosaur to. Dinosaur attack. Out. Yeah. And uh, so I, I think that just makes it move faster because there's something new every so often and yep. you know perfect movie scripts as well you know you hit like the 20 30 minute mark you want to get every <laughs> exposition you want out of the way sort of in a in a short movie which jackson i you know i'm i like that movie but um i just because i like how like the different uh different backstories that they try to give to different characters it makes it feel a bit more Rich, but you're right. It's also just way, way too slow. I would never, I've gone back to watch it a few times, but King Kong, 1933, I could watch almost any day of the week. I have a movie poster of it on my wall. I have like a a pillow of it. It's just like, it's, it's like, um, yeah, it's just a, it's a great little tale, but, um, but yeah, Godzilla, on the other hand, it's, uh, yeah, it, it take. I would say Godzilla one takes itself a little bit more seriously. Godzilla but, has a much more serious purpose matter. to it. Yeah, and it uh, definitely has more of a human. I would say more of a human drama to it. But without yeah. me explaining, since you're the expert, <laughs> it, could you? I don't know about that, about, but yeah, <laughs> there's a scene in Godzilla. Uh, well, let's actually take you from King Kong to Godzilla. Uh, King Kong is fairly well known for its breakout special effects, Willis O'Brien. Right. 
the stop animation. He, his uh, protege or assistant later films was Ray Harryhausen, who became probably more well-known than uh, O'Brien in stop animation, things like The Seven Voyages, Sinbad, Clash of Titans, mm -hmm. uh, those type of movies. Now, in uh, 1953, he came out with, uh, or well, he didn't come out with, but the studio came out with, he did the special effects for uh, The Beast from 20,000 Phantoms. Right. Which based off of Ray Bradbury's short story, uh, Foghorn. Japanese at Toho, the Toho Studios saw that and they wanted a big monster movie. They wanted to do stop animation originally. And that just was outside of their budget and their technical ability to do it. Uh, so they start. They decided to go with the uh, man in a suit, uh, which became a trademark of Toys R Us, and actually became the the gold, the standard for big monster movies. Roughly until, I mean, with the occasional Ray Harryhausen film, until uh, CGI came in. I mean, mm -hmm. there were still late seventies, eighties men in suit monster movies being made. Even the King Kong remake from like 1976 or something like with uh, Jeff Bridges and. Uh... Oh, the King Kong. Charles Grodin was the uh, <laughs> villain. Uh, I remember seeing that in the theaters. I was probably about 14. And I just remember coming out ranting to the people that wanted me. Why did they feel like they had to remake King Kong? Because this was not a good remake. Right. I'm sorry if anybody out there is a fan of that version. There are all hard. two of you who are out there. <laughs> but uh, back to the theme. I'm sorry, I digress. Back to the thematics of Godzilla. Uh, there's a scene. Don't worry. On my podcast, we often go off on tangents. So it's all right. There's a scene in the movie during now Godzilla's attacks on Tokyo are very reminiscent of the American firebombing of Japan during World War II. Right. Firestorms, people sucked up into the flames, that type. Uh, there's a scene where Godzilla's attacking city is fire and everything. They cut to a mother and her two children crouched in a doorway, and there's debris falling. And it's obviously they're going to get killed. And the mother says to the children, it's okay, we're going to be with your father soon. Now, kind of insinuating that the father had been killed in the war. So right. it's kind of bringing that whole Godzilla becomes very symbolic there, not only of uh, the nuclear bomb, but the Americans who unleashed a nuclear bomb. Just as in this, Godzilla is awoken by a hydrogen bomb test, which they never come out and say the Americans were testing it, but it's kind of implied. And so once again, America is unleashing this destruction on Japan. And right. And I liked how you brought that scene up because I, I wanted to bring that up too, that 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 moment with the mom and her kids because yeah, that's it's a that shocking movie. scene yeah it's like here you know you think of godzilla you think of maybe the um you know kind of later versions where it's yeah, more the, the, the fun stuff. yeah where they really play it up but this is like holy mac they were going for i, I dare i say art but they i they want yeah. really took themselves seriously about the subject matter and i, I think that goes to show in the uh, even kind of the the human drama element, especially with the main scientist who who develops the the weapon that spoiler ultimate oxygen destroyer yes that ultimately defeats uh, that kills Godzilla. But um, yeah, could you tell us a little bit about that that 
love triangle because it seems like there there is this love triangle there's the young hero who is a uh, sailor and a merchant marine uh there's the daughter of the scientist who is played by uh and i'm gonna horribly mispronounce it actually you pronounced it better than i did uh shimura and uh he shows up in later godzilla movies too just kind of the class to place up because he became very well known for the kurosawa films he was in 21 out of kurosawa's 30 films Oh, wow. So he was obviously, I think Mifune might have been in a couple more, but they, he was somebody that they worked in. Toho was like that. They, they were a studio back in the same sense that RKO was a studio back in 1933. They had their actors, their directors. Honda, who directed Godzilla, would direct a couple of uh, second, acted as second director for a couple of Kurosawa films. So, I mean, he was not by any means thought of as a hack director. Right. But back to the love triangle. So there's the young sailor, the scientist's daughter, and there's this scientist, Dr. Sherizawa. <clears throat> and he's got the eye patch. He's very, the original concept of him was going to be, he was going to wear a black cape, black, like fedora type hat and be always kind of lurking. They got away from that, which is probably a good thing. That's uh, a very good idea. <laughs> but there's one part, which, and so he's, the daughter is, has an arranged marriage with him, which she wants to break off because she's in love with the sailor. She goes to him to tell him this and he shows her the weapon. We don't actually, as the audience, see what the weapon does at that point, but it obviously horrifies her. It's a very disturbing scene. Right, yeah. Uh, he gives her her freedom. And then, uh, now he's an interesting character because in a lot of ways, at one point he talks about, or somebody mentions to him, I can't remember which, like, they just vaguely mention the war to him. You get the impression he did some really heavy-duty things in the war, possibly with the Germans. It's kind of inferred. Right. Like, things that might have gotten him arrested as a war criminal. They don't go into it. They just suggest it. <clears throat> but he very much becomes at least to my mind, the symbol of post-World War II Japan's the war guilt. Mm -hmm. He's the, you know, I there was destruction everywhere. And now in his case, he's created something that can be so destructive. And it it's tearing him apart because it's it's horrifying them. He knows they need to use it, yet he's afraid that if it falls into the wrong hands, it's gonna just get out of control. And ultimately at the end of the film, in a true samurai fashion. And for very much, Japan has a culture of the, the needs of the many outmade the needs of the few I'll steal from another franchise. <laughs> uh, and he does that at the end, he sacrifices himself. Right. You know, to take out the rest and also to ensure that nobody else has this horrible weapon. Right, which sort of implies that like, hey, US or countries that have, uh, you know, nuclear capabilities, maybe, you know, destroy all this because it's not good for us. Um, you don't want to awaken uh, any more darkness or beast or monsters, if you will. But it, yeah. It's a matter just, of just because you can doesn't mean you should. Right, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, so, I mean, obviously these two movies are heavily uh, reliant, I would say, on special effects. And um, from what I understand, for, from what I could read and watch about, the making of Godzilla, they really looked at uh, King Kong and wanted to, you know, implement those styles. And you could see the miniatures and, you know, different sets. And they really wanted to be 
um, accurate to what Japan looked like or, you know, certain buildings that were recognizable for the impact of what, um, you know, like the firebombing allegory and whatnot. But um, I guess maybe I want to ask you a little bit about, um, be, at least I see them that way, that they're special effects driven. What do you, do you see them that way? And what do you think about- King Kong very much so. Uh, I mean, there's, without King Kong, there's, there's no movie. Uh, and I mean, you want you want to see King Kong. Now, Godzilla is interesting because they film a lot of it in the, at night. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of, it, it was a smart move because they, they, I mean, obviously miniatures at some point are going to look like miniatures. That's it's, it's the nature of the thing. But by filming at night, they can hide a lot of that. And mm -hmm. it also, it keeps you from seeing the full monster at a lot of points, which is also probably to their advantage. Also, it's probably good for the poor guys that had to wear this suit that was probably made of heavy rubber with no ventilation or anything. So, and I'm sure it's not cool in Japan. So, <laughs> but, uh, I, is, could Godzilla exist about the monster? No, but I think they could have even gotten away with lesser special effects with the story if they had to. Fortunately, I mean, it, what they came up with is a, since they couldn't do stop animation, what they came up with was a great substitute. And you can see in the subsequent films, because Godzilla went very much from being a very bleak, moral, moral story to uh, becoming very much, by the second film, really, Godzilla versus the Fire Monster. Uh, Angulus the giant porcupine. Uh, <laughs> it's already becoming more kid-oriented. It's it's more fun. It's much brighter. And then I believe the third film in the series was Godzilla versus King Kong. Mm -hmm. The Japanese right. Godzilla versus King Kong, which is so fun to watch. Uh, you just have to go in. It's what it is. <laughs> Sometimes they forget to put the little black makeup around the actor's eye in the King Kong suit, so you actually see human eyeballs sticking out, but that's okay. Uh, but it, it's, it, 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 I don't want to say degenerated, because I do love the Godzilla films, uh, but it changed its theme very quickly. Right. The first story was very much a dark well, I guess actually you could, you could look at the Alien movies, the same kind of transformation. The first film's a horror film. Right. You know, it's it's very it's a mystery. You don't really see it until the end. It's you know, there's a lot of gore. The second film is just it's a it's a roller coaster. It's fun. It's well, there are people getting eaten, but it's it's just more of an adventure. Right. Same thing of Godzilla. The first film's very bleak. Even the the music at the beginning, the one beat sound at the beginning, that boom. Boom, boom. Then you hear the Godzilla screech, which is actually some musical instrument, and I can't remember which yeah. one it is. They distorted the sound on. Right. I want to say a French horn or something like that. It's a uh, great sound effect, too. Yeah, right? it is, I and mean, it's 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 iconic. And that's the thing about both these films. Actually, both these films are iconic. I mean. I believe King Kong was on some list, and I can't remember which is like the fourth greatest horror film. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if I think of King Kong as a horror movie. Uh, but, you know, okay. <laughs> to each their uh, own. Yeah, I like their own. 
Yeah, I like God's yeah. the effect of, like similar to Alien. What you were saying, I remember when I was watching it, I immediately thought of Jaws, and I was thinking like, did uh, did Steven Spielberg watch Jaws before uh, before making this movie? I don't know because even it's nobody the- did watch King Kong. Oh well, <laughs> Rip. <laughs> no he did he actually used the pacing from that for his film i like that yeah because king kong i like the special effects of it um just because for people that don't know or haven't seen it the way that they did it at least some shots are like they had things in the foreground so like on on the set they'd have miniatures in the background they'd have the matte painting all the way in the back and then they'd have the creatures in the middle of the frame or toward the back moving about actually built up from the camera they would also have glass plates with paintings on them so they would be framing right scenes on the mat right and it's just i i just still marvel at the technical wizardry of like you know uh, rear screen projections and and all that at that time because it seemed in in its uh infancy really at um you know special effects I think that just was a full culmination of what movies could be. And it's a movie about making a movie essentially at one point. So it's, um, it, I, I find that interesting. Godzilla, um, I like the fact that they kept it dark, but the first time you actually see him, at least his face, the creature's face, it's like hanging over a mountainside and it kind yeah, of- it comes up over the hill. Yeah, it, it, It's an interesting shot, but also like, Oh, that that is a puppet <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. I, you know, it's because I think that's one of the the ma- major differences. It's like the like from the puppet Godzilla to the the actual suit. The, the faces are a little bit different. So you're it, it, for me first time seeing it like only a few days ago. Um, it, it took me a little bit. I'm like, oh well, all right. But it's still uh, it, like you said. I think like people would lose like eight pounds or whatever like nascar racers in those suits just like it's actually i saw a picture on facebook they had three of the actors that played gods played godzilla in a picture and you know they're like well, of course they're like a thousand years old now but they're all bent over and everything like this these guys just ruined themselves doing that uh it's interesting you brought up the thing with godzilla because yeah the puppet is they used a puppet in that one shot and also a lot of the when he's breathing fire or radioactive breath or whatever. Uh, it's also got the puppet I always found a little unsettling because the eyes are like they're like shark eyes. They just look dead. Right. Which, it was like, oh, now King Kong also has a little of that when they have the full they built a full scale King Kong head. Yeah, when he bites on people (laughs) and stuff. So there's a little of that too. You're like, wait a minute, that's not King Kong. (laughs) I don't know why. I think maybe just because I'm nostalgic for it. I saw it at a younger age, so I can still suspend that a little bit more. But but yeah, Godzilla, there's actually one effect I want to mention with the the fire breath um, where he's he's firing at um i think it's like like electrical towers that they set up to try to trap him and then when they fire the hot air from godzilla's mouth onto the the electrical wires it was actually wax so that's like in camera 
that shot and it's um you'd have to see it's it's really well done i thought like oh wow yeah because they start melting and yeah just the i remember reading about that i was like that's actually ingenious yeah it's just so uh, it, uh, it is a got yeah it's just you understand why um it was a massive success and I, that's another the segue <laughs> into what i wanted to ask about uh, you about why do you think these movies have resonated with audiences for you know for godzilla more than what since 1954 so it's you know like 70 years almost and the record uh, for longest running franchise huh it's the record for longest running franchise godzilla oh, yeah yeah even um more so than james bond people so yeah yeah, yeah it's just uh, that's yeah. a good question i mean king kong i mean it took a how many years for King Kong to be remade? Um, 50... I think about 54. Yeah. A little over 50 years. Now, granted, there was the Son of Kong, which was an immediate sequel, came out the same year as King Kong. The Son of Kong does not live up to Kong. I mean, it's fun. You know, it's much more of a younger person's movie. It's not much of an adventure. The cast is definitely not as good. Uh, and he, you know, the character Kong shows up in some cartoons, things like that. Uh, right. Mad Monster Party, Rankin Bass's thing from the '60s, which if you haven't seen it, see it. Uh, Scooby Doo. Um, but why is King Kong lovable? Because because it's Beauty and the Beast, and you know, King Kong just wanted to be loved, and people, everybody wants to be loved. Yeah, I still almost cry every time I see him fall off that off the Empire State Building. It just, it hits me right here. I don't know, just, yep. uh, there's something about it where like they're killing that poor creature, even though just before he dropped a woman from- like, Well, right, yeah, there is that. Trashing trains or whatever, but it's like, it's not his fault. You just should have left him at home. Um, but uh, yeah, there's there's something weird about King Kong himself being, being a character that is, I think almost really, at, at that time, I think he's probably one of the first that's like, here's a creature and we're actually going to give him like a, like an arc, give him personality. Yeah. Um, which is just odd. Yeah. You're, you're right on that. It was actually the, the first big, big monster, you know, big monster, things like Godzilla, King Kong, Gorgo, Steven Spielberg, dinosaurs. Because, yeah, there were dinosaurs in Lost World, which was a silent version of the Arthur Conan Doyle. Actually, uh, Will O'Brien did those special effects, too. But they weren't major characters. You know, they were, they were MacGuffins. Right. They were things that, you know, drove the movie, but they weren't the character. King Kong, I mean, the movie's about King Kong. You know, you can, there's a lot of that movie. There's good tracks that movie with no dialogue. Right, yeah. It's just Kong, you know, in favor of screaming, but okay. I wanted to bring that up too. I Like on a rewatch the other day, I'm like, this is the first time I noticed it, that it feels like it could have been a silent movie, essentially, yeah. where it's like at least a good chunk of it, a good maybe 30 minutes. It feels like there's absolutely no dialogue where it's just, uh, but you just, you know, you get by because of the, you know, the score, which is, which is, I think, incredible by Max Steiner. And um, yeah, and just the Willis O'Brien special effects keep it up and uh, and nice pacing. But yeah, I think there's maybe 
for King Kong, I could see that, you know, not only is he the first kind of creature, so that's why he's, that that creature has resonated with audiences and, and in pop culture. You know, I, I'm thinking of like Training Day where Denzel Washington shouts, King Kong, ain't, you know, ain't got nothing on me, kind of, you know, it's, um, but maybe because the story is very simple, maybe that's why it's also resonated. But Godzilla, you know, it's, it is such a Japanese product and, but Americans have grown to love it too. Uh, I mean, obviously it, they love it because there's Godzilla versus King Kong coming out. So why do you think that, that Godzilla was able to make the jump from Japan to the United States and be a, a global phenomenon? Well, okay. Uh, there was, and I can't remember the name of the distribution company right now, but they were able to buy up the Japanese uh, big monster movies at almost nothing, no cost, and then release them in the United States. And they were a staple on TV in the 60s and 70s. Uh, Godzilla in the first movie is, he doesn't have a personality. He's just an engine of destruction. Uh, as the movies progress, he becomes very, you know, he, he becomes a hero midway through and then they reboot and he's back to being the villain again, which it, it's not as much fun when he's saving the world. That's just, it's, you got to just, you know, okay, brain, you go sit over there and I'm going to watch big monsters beating up on each other. Right. <laughs> uh, why does that, I mean, it, it, I think it's one of these things, kids watched it as kids. You know, my generation on the 430 movie, which for those of you who don't know, we would come home from school and there was the 430 movie, which would go from 430 to 6. So it was something for us to watch while mom was making dinner uh, or dad was making dinner. And uh, I think it's it's like a guilty childhood pleasure. It's like, why do you like uh, Hershey bars? They're terrible. They're terrible chocolate, but I ate them as a kid or, you know, Twinkies. Um, the modern Godzilla movies now the, the, the actually, which is interesting because Japan stopped making Godzilla movies, I want to say in the early 2000s with Godzilla Final Wars, which if you want to watch an all-out monster bash with an American wrestler in a Japanese movie speaking in English, it's it's just one of those things you got to watch to really appreciate it and it, it runs like two and a half hours it's just an all-out we're sending him off with a big splash and then the americans had the rights and they made the godzilla godzilla oh, king of monsters oh well, i thought you were talking about yeah the matthew broderick one which is yeah. like oh well the matthew broderick one we don't even talk about <laughs> that's funny because that 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 version of godzilla shows up in the japanese film godzilla final wars and gets beaten up by Godzilla like within it's like a two minute fight and he's done. Uh, and I think one of the characters says something like that thing's only good for eating tuna. Uh, that's a lot. And then <laughs> the King Kong move, King Kong Godzilla coming out, and now this reverts back to Japan, the rights to Godzilla. So I'm assuming they're going to be making movies. They did the most recent Godzilla movie was uh. God, Shin Godzilla, which I don't remember what Shin translates to. From, uh, it was an interesting film. It was kind of a whole reboot on Godzilla. And I won't go into it, but it was more of a 
it almost seemed like a movie of how governments are unable to deal with emergencies because it was told very much from that point. Godzilla was very not a big character in it. So it'll be interesting to see what the Japanese decide to do with the franchise. Right. Yeah, and I just um, I just thought of uh, another monster that has been trying to, you know, another, like Cloverfield. I'm trying to think of Cloverfield trying to inject itself into sort of this, like we could be a big monster movie too, but I don't know, there's just something about, you know, giant reptile versus a giant ape that is simple that <laughs> radioactive dinosaur man yeah <laughs> that's why Cloverfield I, yeah. was more like beast of Twenty Thousand phantoms it's a big monster loose in new york mm -hmm. yeah it I, I haven't seen that movie yet but i uh of course in doing research on godzilla i of course came across at least yeah, worth a watch yeah and uh yeah because you, you think yeah godzilla it's you know those american monster movies probably dealt more with like you know the red scare being the underlying um themes or whatever but yeah god's something very different actually but, the beast from 20,000 phantoms did did deal with nuclear weapons and, oh it uh, did okay yeah well, i've been proved wrong <laughs> that's why I <laughs> not, not to the extent godzilla does but yeah but um so with the new movie coming out and i haven't spoiled it for myself but who is the better monster? Who do you think would win in a in a fight? Godzilla or King Kong? Oh, I can start doing the uh, American news footage from the Japanese King Kong versus Godzilla. King Kong is a thinking monster while Godzilla is, but I won't do that. Uh, I mean, I got to root for Godzilla. He's a radioactive lizard. I mean, come on. Well, I did King think Kong's going to do his best, but it's a radioactive dinosaur. Right. I did think of the scene where, um, it, like a snippet of the original Godzilla versus King Kong, where King Kong is literally stuffing a tree down Godzilla's throat during the fight. I hope, I hope there's another scene like that in this version. For some reason, electricity makes King Kong being a mammal stronger. I'm not quite sure how that worked, but okay. I don't know why. Either. Something it's some something to do with TV at the time. Yeah. But yeah, I got a root for Godzilla. Well, sorry, I know it's not very American of me. <laughs> well, that's all right. We'll just have to rescind your citizenship cards. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I would say like my my favorite of the two. I've sort of maybe I've been biased or whatever, but it has been King Kong just because I've grown up with it more so um but yeah godzilla on on a on a fairly recent watch i thought you know like it's it's a good movie and i think it's important to to see you know just the way that um japan probably you know thought of the united states after the war because i i just i find that stuff interesting how real life gets infused into art and and this is a perfect example but funny enough that it becomes ends up as like a kind of kids almost power rangers looking kind of uh monster fight it series but i i don't know yeah. it, 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 it's a good movie and i'd say it's worth a watch just to see the influence that it's had on on movie characters and i think that movie alone sort of i don't want to say it saved toho studios which is the movie that uh the production company that uh put it out but it you know it 
made it skyrocket more so than like it put Toho on the map, at least outside of Japan. Right. And uh I would hazard to say you would not have Kurosawa and you know this is probably blasphemy, but you would not have him having been as popular in the United States, you know, before all, you know, cable and everything back in the 60s without people having watched Godzilla movies and gone, well, this was interesting. What else? What other Japanese cinema is there? Right. Yeah, I, that's a great point. I wish I, yeah, that I feel that exactly, that he was the uh, sort of the gateway drug. I was <laughs> just thinking that. Open the door, yeah. To yeah. Japanese cinema. The Trojan horse. Uh, we'll put this in, but look inside. There's something really good. Godzilla versus the Trojan horse. Who will win? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I guess just to, to wrap it up, um i mean uh chuck i want to just say you know thank you so much for coming on and talking about thanks for having me king kong and uh i hope we, we could bring you back to to review the new movie that's coming out uh well that is out on hbo max and i think in theaters but we're both gonna watch it on hbo max so of course we are <laughs> all right well, well thanks chuck, for having me thanks so much and everyone uh thanks for listening and uh hope you subscribe like us and yeah. <laughs> All right. Peace and love. Well, Denim, the airplane's got it. Oh, no. It wasn't the airplanes. It was beauty killed the beast. Beauty killed the beast.